Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops. Hey, what's going on? Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops. I'm your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Oren on Twitter. And I'm joined by... I am your co-host, Parker Gatewood, at Parker B. Gatewood on Twitter. You know, we always give out our Twitter names, but right. like we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube. Yeah, we're on well, a lot of you're stuff. You're on YouTube. Sure, absolutely. Uh, where can they find you on YouTube? Yeah, it's just Parker Gatewood. That is uh, that's the regular handle. Uh, Why the B on Twitter and not on YouTube? Be- so, I like incorporating the B in my name because my middle name is Brooks, and that is my granddad's middle name. So I always want to keep it with me, um, but I just, you know, I don't know. I feel like when you add your middle initial, right, it, it adds a sense. It's like almost more professional, right? So I feel like YouTube, I didn't need to be more professional. Do you, but, do you know what my middle initial is? Um, let's see, Paul Oren. Um, oh, it's got to be some fun with in between PO. Uh, no, it's like, it's B, isn't it? It's Brian. I have four middle names. Oh, <laughs> I, my middle initials are... Is Brian G- one of them? No. Oh, darn. My middle initials are GMAD. GMAD? Really? Yes, well, yes. Uh, Gregory? No. Okay. Let's try the other ones. What else you George? got? George? Well, no, no. So oh, you got oh. G wrong. What would M be? Uh, Matthew. Nope. Oh, man. Um, A is for... Andrew. No, that's my father's name. Oh, call, though. man. I thought and, I had that. And then D. And then D um, is Duncan... No, no, I've never <laughs> dunked in my life, although I do go to Dunkin' Donuts on a regular basis. Uh, Gilbert, Michael, Alexander, Daniel. I was going to say Alexander. No, Shoot. no, no, you're you're wrong. Uh. You're wrong. You don't get to play anymore. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't, uh, we'll leave all this in, but nobody cares about our Yeah, players. right. Any, anyway, and you're on you're on Instagram and other things too. Yeah, yeah, on Instagram, my name is backwards, Luaup Nero. Yes. And we can thank Carl Berner, the guy that runs some of the ESPN broadcasts. Ah, Carl, for my guy. As a uh, giving me that nickname in college. Uh, we were doing a broadcast on WVUR, and he came back from the break in a Harry Carey voice and said, Paul Oren backwards would be Loup Nero. And <laughs> I can't do Harry Carey. But, sure. Um, and uh, it was much better than that, the way that Carl did it. It was, uh-huh. it was fantastic. That's great. Uh, two and a half minutes in, we've talked about nothing. Let's get into it. Absolutely. Valpo, they did it. They beat Drake on the road. They sure got did. a road victory. Derek Smith's career high, 22 points, 10 of 14 from the field, played the best he's played in a Valpo uniform. And when he came out, Jay Soroya came in, only had four points, but he had seven rebounds. And they, uh, almost more importantly, held Drake's big man, Nick McGlynn, to one of 13 shooting. Uh, Reed Timmer, who had just made first team all league, 28 points in the game, but Valpo was in control for much of this one except for when they weren't in control. Right. Yeah, they went on, uh, Drake did a few runs. A few runs. Valpo was up 28-14 to 14 in the first half, and Drake came back to take a lead. And then Valpo was up 63-54 with 59 seconds left. I start tweeting out, Valpo improves to 15-16 and 16 on the year. Valpo gets their first road win. And then Drake scored, got the ball back, three-pointer. 
got the ball back, scored again, <laughs> scored like seven points in like 25 seconds. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you know, Valpo had to play legitimate basketball right. again after looking like they had the, the game in hand. So uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on something else that happened over the weekend. Micah Bradford arrested. Uh, tough situation. We've yet to hear anything from the university uh, at this point, although that may change by the time this podcast goes up. Uh, it's kind of difficult to, to figure all of this. He was uh, originally charged with two felonies. It looks like now, and again, information that will probably change by the time this even goes up, looks like it's down to two misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I've been trying to pour over Indiana code title to figure out what means what, and it's just not my right. level of expertise. I can barely figure out the quarterback rating and how that <laughs> equation is sure. or the per rating for basketball True players. True field goal percentage. Yeah, no. so me trying to figure out Indiana law is not the case, but <laughs> right. tough situation. Unclear right now as to whether or not Micah Bradford will be able to play. What I assume would happen is that Micah would appeal. I think there's any arrest in this situation comes with a minimum two game suspension by university policy. We saw that with, uh, you know, Jabril Atacoya and Shane Hammock when they were arrested. We saw that with Jay Soroya when he was arrested. Mm-hmm. Saw it with Joe Burton when he was arrested. And, uh, and so we assume that Micah Bradford would get a two-game suspension. I believe Micah Bradford – I think two things can happen. One, I think Micah can appeal the suspension. And if you appeal the suspension, you're allowed to play while that appeal is being heard. And if that's the case, I'm appealing my suspension – at 8:29 on Thursday night. Sure. You know, like yeah, totally. like I'm appealing my suspension. <laughs> so you don't have time to go over it, but by the letter of the, I think that's the way it works. Uh-huh. And then uh and then secondly, by coach's discretion, uh you know, they can decide when to when to to do that. And mm-hmm. you know, we saw last year with Jay Soroya was arrested for underage drinking for and w- which really was a soft arrest. Sure. Yeah. That guy's old enough to drink in his own country. Mm -hmm. That he's like older than we are. Um, (laughs) I think he should be allowed to, right. You know? And, uh, and so, and, and, and they, they, that they didn't hold him out until I think what late or something like Mm -hmm. that. Was that? Yeah. So that was, uh, no, until this year, the beginning of this year. Yeah. So that was, uh, interesting. I think it was two games. They didn't necessarily need him either. Yeah, it was right. the, against the same games that Joe Burton was held out for. Right. Uh, the non-Division One games, uh, which was just a coincidence that they started the season with non-Division One games. Yep. If you, yeah, okay. Uh, look, who knows what's going to happen here? Sure. And uh, and the way that college basketball is, Parker, I, you know, every every team has got transfers at the end of the year. I'm not saying that. Mike is going to transfer. We talked about Parker Hayes in a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think coaches have to re-recruit their own guys all year long, right? Absolutely, sure. And so, especially I, during a year, sorry to cut you off. So, especially during a year, you know, that's a down year for a program like you know, like Valpo. Yeah. So I, I think it'd be curious to kind of see the makeup of the roster next year as opposed to this year in terms of who we think is going to come back. Um, I think people transfer for all sorts of different reasons. And I think we probably, we may have stepped out of line a couple episodes ago talking about Parker Hazen and, and saying how much, you know, I mean, I think we basically said he was gone and I don't know that that's true. You know, I, again, I think we need to reiterate that 
have no idea. And I'll sure. say the same thing with Micah Bradford. Have no idea um, what would happen with any of these guys. And and plus, you know, you, you also need to look at people who are perhaps in position to have graduated in three years, and maybe Derek Smith is on that that track too. I have no idea. So uh, let's just make everyone feel uneasy and just name that everybody could transfer. Yeah, or right. Everybody could come back. Well, I mean, you know, especially. You know, right now where we are, anything can happen in college basketball and the NCAA, right? I mean, Who, we've seen think, controversies play out this week. Are we, we even going to have an NCAA next yeah, year? Yeah, exactly, right. Uh, we're going to be joined later on on the podcast by Wyatt Wheeler, the beat reporter from Missouri State of the Springfield News Leader. He's going to come on to talk about, speaking of drama, what Missouri State's gone through this year. They're picked to finish first in the conference. They are the number seven seed. First team in years, I guess, to be uh, picked to finish first and be playing on Thursday night of the tournament. Right. Here's a sobering statistic for you, Parker, that you may only know if you follow me on Twitter at NWI Oren. And I do. Uh, the teams that play in the quarterfinals of the, no, excuse me, not the quarterfinals, the opening round, they call it the play in round mm-hmm. of the Valley tournament, have lost 38 straight games on, the, on Friday. The winners of the, these games. Right. So if Valpo were to beat Missouri State on Thursday night. Odds not good. They have a almost nil chance of winning their next game. Right. Despite the fact they beat Southern Illinois already this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, 38 straight. That's 19 years. It's a lot of games. 19, not since 1998. 19 years. Oh, man. This is the 20-year anniversary of Bradley winning a quarterfinal game after winning a play-in round game. Teams are 1-41 that play on Thursday night under this current format. Here's an interesting thing, Parker. The Horizon League last year, they adopted the Valley's tournament format. Yep. Milwaukee played on the opening night of the tournament. They went to the title game. Yes, they Youngstown did. Youngstown State played on the opening night of the tournament. They went to the semifinals. So in one year of this format, the Horizon League had two teams reach the semifinals and one reach the finals, which has never been done in the Valley. And in, I think, 22 years or 21 years of this format in the Valley, they've only seen one team get to the semifinals. It's going to be a long road for Valpo. It's going to be a yes. short road for Valpo. Right, yeah. It's going to be interesting the next few years to see how things play out. Bakari Evelyn named the all-newcomer team for the Missouri Valley Conference. Tavon Walker named the all-defensive team. Um, we're actually recording this podcast while the specialty awards are being announced for the league. Uh, I would think Clayton Custer will be the player of the year. I would think Malik Yarborough will be the newcomer of the year. I would think Cameron Crutwig of Loyola will be the freshman of the year. And defensive player of the year, I have no idea. Uh, Jamon cu- Walker made the all-defensive team, but maybe Ben Richardson would be the defensive player. Maybe Obadiah Church, the big man from Missouri State. Sean Lloyd from Southern Illinois. Also, Dwayne Laudier-Agunlier. I, th- I don't know exactly how to say D'Lo is what they call him at Bradley. No. Those are the five guys on the all-defensive team. The uh, On Thursday, we're going to see the coach of the year will be announced. That should be Porter Mosier from – or Moser? Moser? I don't know how mm-hmm. to say it. Moser. I think Moser. Moser. Okay. Right. Moser, I think, is an is an actor or like a producer mm-hmm. in Hollywood for Miramax that was involved with Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. I believe. Um, and uh, so I think we'll see that Scholar Athlete of the Year will probably be Reed Timmer, and uh, the, yeah, that's and and Sixth Man of the Year, 
could be, and that's actually being announced right now, probably should be on the call, I'm not, <laughs> could be Marcus Golder. Yeah, there's a possibility. I don't think it will be. I think there's some other uh, some other really interesting Andre Jackson from uh, I think he's, I I'm, I think I'm getting these names right, but I read them on paper. I don't necessarily see. Yeah. I'm, I haven't been around long enough, but the guy from Loyola I think is uh, is really good, and uh, so to me Marcus Golder should be in the conversation. Um, tomorrow, Wednesday, tomorrow it's Tuesday right now. The all bench team will be. Released tomorrow, and Marcus Goldar, I think, has got to be on that. You would think. You know, and then the most improved team, but I don't think anyone, and these are selected by the beat writers, I don't think anyone from Valpo would be on the most improved team because no. how could they gauge? But who's the most improved player on Valpo's team this year? That's a, I mean, that's a good question because there's so many there's so many new faces, right? So you think about some of the returners. Um, you could look at someone like Max Joseph who's had to, you know, up his production uh, throughout the year, uh, it obviously, it, I mean, it wouldn't be Devon just because he's already. No, and his numbers, I think, have dropped. Right, bit, it feels like. Um, I mean, Micah didn't play. I don't. I don't think Micah did exactly what we expected him to do. Yeah, I mean, Derek Smiths. What? What about John Kaiser? Does he fit in? John, yeah, I think. Well, I mean, definitely. You know, he started games and and had a lot of production. You could. I think you could make more of that argument because. He went from playing virtually like nothing to, you know, where we're at this year. Yeah, he's playing quite a bit. Although um, he didn't play much against Drake because against Smith. Yeah, like eight minutes, right? Eight minutes, yeah. Lowest amount that he's played so, in a while. So, yeah, I mean, you could look at Max, Derek, and Kaiser, yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, Interesting note from Aaron Levitt. This year is only the second time in the last 30 years that Valpo has not had a player on the first or second team all-league in their conference. I saw this. The only other year, 2007-08, the first year in the Horizon League. Yep. Now, I would, I like conspiracy theories as <laughs> evidenced by the, is Valpo, haz- is Valpo getting hazed? Right, Valpo. right. There's no conspiracy theory here. There is not a player that is on Valpo's roster that should be in the top 10 no. right now. No. Not and, from a team that's last in the yeah. conference. And so third team, so so the first team is Clayton Custer of Loyola, Alizé Johnson of Missouri State, Reed, or Reed Timmer of Drake, Ryan Taylor of Evansville, and Malik Yarborough of Illinois State. I That was my five that mm-hmm. I picked. Uh, second team is Jordan Barnes of Indiana State, Phil Fain of Illinois State, Armin Fletcher of Southern Illinois, Dante Thomas of Bradley, those four I picked. And then Dante Ingram of Loyola is on the team. I picked his teammate Cameron Crutwig, but you could have, you know. So I got got 9 out of 10, uh, which is far better than I ever did in the Valley, uh, than than I ever (laughs) did in the Horizon League. League. Sure. So, and and to me, so there's a third team, and that's uh, Crutwig from Loyola, who I had on the second team, Daryl Brown of Bradley, Bennett Cook, of UNI, uh, Kavion Pippen of Southern Illinois, and Brenton Scott of Indiana State. I thought that uh, Brown and Scott and uh, and Ingram were the three that I kind of gave an honorable mention to. I would, I would, I, I'm trying to even think who I would have voted for, Bakari or Tavon, who I would have put higher right. up because sure. Bakari played better in conference. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's better numbers in conference. Yes, Tavon, his defensive. You know, acumen is something that would maybe lead him to to 
third team, but he, I just don't think he got the votes. And last I th- place. And I think you know, even if you, even if one of those guys say that Bakari or Tavon averages twenty this season, I still don't think on a last place Missouri Valley Conference team you can put them first or second team, and even third might be a stretch because you know it's it's last in the conference. That said. All other nine teams in the Valley have a representative on the first, second, or third team. That's, yeah, fair. Matter of fact, you and I, Northern Iowa, not you and I. Right. You and I, I don't understand how they can do that. You and I. It's just so you weird. And, yeah. Uh, Northern Iowa, they, uh, they're they the only team that only has a representative on the third team. Everyone else, is the other eight teams all have representatives mm. sprinkled out through the first and second team. Well, what was the, what was the difference in records between – Valpo and who's in eighth? Uh, well, it, Valpo is six and twelve, and three other teams are seven and eleven. Oh, that's yeah. So this is, uh, from what I understand, since the Valley moved to ten teams, and I, I'd have to be, I'd have to fact check this myself, but I saw this somewhere. Since the Valley moved to ten teams, this is the most amount of victories the last place team has ever had with six, and that's like putting lipstick on a pig, but <laughs> it's still. It's still a good. You ever heard that one? Before? I've never heard that in my oh, life. Come on. <laughs> you, you reacted in a way like you've never heard it before. <laughs> I'm just trying. How would you do that? It's, it's like kissing your sister. Let's not. No, let's not. So it's like putting lipstick on a pig. There so you go. It, uh, which I take that for whatever it is. Sure. Uh, the all freshman team Elijah Childs from Bradley, uh, Tyreek Key from Indiana State, Crutwig from Loyola, Taiwan Pickford from UNI, and Lucas Williamson from Loyola. Uh, Lucas Williamson from Loyola goes to Whitney Young, which I believe is the same high school that Javon Freeman Liberty goes to that is uh, coming to Valpo next yep. year. So the all-freshman team, again, I, you're not putting any one of Valpo's freshmen on there. McMillan has had a good game here and there, but he's to the point where uh, you know he, he plays nine minutes and doesn't right. do anything. So Nakari uh, Evelyn on the all newcomer team with Crutwig, Pickford, KVN Pippen of Southern Illinois, and Malik Yarborough of Illinois State. Uh, again, Crutwig and Pippen were third team. Yarborough was first team. And Pickford, I think, was probably right outside that list. Uh, Golder was probably on the periphery of all newcomer team. But I would say that he'll definitely be on the all bench team and could be sixth man of the year, which I'm sure is being released as we speak the larry bird player of the year trophy should go to clayton custer from loyola i think he is the best player in the league and alizé johnson you can argue for him had better numbers but custer but what do you do do you when you look at like pro sports mvp is it best player on the best team or i mean can you can you give mvp to mike trout yeah i was gonna say we're talking about mvp um i mean that well, that's a different discussion because then that goes to value, and you know how people get with you know the topic of value. Um, I mean, I mean, one could argue that Aaron Rodgers was the MVP of the football season, right? I mean, in well, a weird, no, in a yeah, weird well, way, yeah, like, one could argue for sure. Yeah, no, most team, definitely took a team that was had Super Bowl aspirations and completely tanked without him. But uh, obviously, he didn't he didn't produce right he didn't produce anything. And like I could argue, and I would argue, by the way, that LeBron James should have won eight or nine MVPs by now, but that, that wouldn't happen because, you know, voting. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think that in most cases people tend to lean towards stats. But well, I think it, Alizé Johnson has the better stats. Right. Uh, Clayton Custer 
has the better team, mm-hmm. and the Loyola is twenty three and two when Clayton Custer plays, mm-hmm. and they're like two and four, or two and three, or two and four, whatever. When right, he doesn't so play. that would I mean, and that would that would point you know people who think of the value in that way to to say Custer, but I mean you, you know then you could also look. Russell Westbrook won MVP and his team was like a I don't know a six seed or something like that. It's just yeah, it's so was that it's so tough because didn't like Westbrook almost averaged a triple double right last right year. stats yeah and so who is Valpo's MVP this year? I mean, who, who do you think? I I would I'd say like it's tough to I would only I would say. To Vaughn because he did the most and I think had the most impact leadership wise. Yeah, you know, and, and really it was when he, granted they were playing a little bit tougher competition, but when he went out, is really when the rails started to fall yes. off. Mm-hmm. I would say that Bakari Evelyn was the best offensive player. On yes, the team. absolutely. Although, I just didn't see the consistency from Smiths, but Smiths has the ability to be a dominant he had yeah player. he had a, a much improved year for sure tavon walker clearly the best defensive player on the team and probably makes him the most valuable player on yes the team. i would say so so i mean second I mean, leading score in conference second leading score it's interesting the uh, the value discussion is so interesting to me yeah because people look at it so you know two totally different ways yeah you really can i mean is it is it the player with the best stats or mm-hmm. is it the player that if you took him off the floor would be the biggest problem exactly and that's that's tough valpo against missouri state we'll get the preview here in a little bit from wyatt wheeler uh really this is is interesting parker i'm going to tell you how this kind of unfolded um three-way tie and all three of the teams evansville northern iowa and missouri state are all two and two against one another so then they go to rpi and when the games ended when when the final Valley game was played, Evansville had a higher RPI than Missouri State. So it looked like Valpo was going to play Evansville, mm-hmm. and Missouri State would play Northern Iowa. Uh, and all of this could have been taken care of had Bradley won at home against Indiana State, <laughs> but Indiana State scored with like eight seconds left to win the game, and then Bradley ran a really good play, had a chance to get a shot off, and the guy fumbled the ball and, and couldn't do it. And so Indiana State moves up to number six and puts these three teams tied at 7-11, and 11. And so what they do is they take the three teams, they're split two and two across the board against each other, so they take RPI. About three hours after the games ended, an RPI shift happened where, like, someone that Missouri State had beaten or something like that, they won a game, and so their number jumped, and they eclipsed uh, Evansville. At one point, it was the 351 teams in college basketball. There was Evansville was ranked 132 and Missouri State was ranked 134, <laughs> and then at one point Missouri State jumped them. And I think by the end of the night, uh, the Valley uses the RPI report from the morning after the last day of the Valley regular season. Missouri State was up to like 132, and I think Evansville was like 137 or something. So Valpo gets Missouri State, which this is what's really crazy. Valpo has been swept by four teams in the league this year. Number one Loyola. Number seven Missouri State, number eight Evansville, and number nine Northern <laughs> Iowa. They've beaten two, three, four, and five, and two, three, four, five, and six. six. Yeah, they beat two, three, four, five, that, and six. <laughs> they swept number four, and they some things they, you can't explain. And they they are zero and six against the other three teams playing on Thursday mm-hmm. night. 
And so any way you slice it, it wasn't going to be a great matchup. Right. But they get probably the worst matchup. I was gonna, yeah, I was thinking that too. Alizé Johnson, what he does, what he excels at, is what Valpo struggles at, right? The power forward position. Mm-hmm. What do we need to see from Malik McMillan? Or or is it or do they or do you think Valpo decides to go smaller? I don't I mean Yeah, I, I mean that's hard to take Smiths off the floor after what he just did. Definitely. And but but at the same time, you know, we've seen where that small lineup has worked out and we've seen Coach Lottick go to it on numerous occasions, multiple different games, and it's worked for the most part, but at the same time, though, right, you know, Smith's come off a, comes off a game, 22 points, and, you know, if him or Jay, we've, we've seen this play out a couple of times this year when they both get in foul trouble. Then things are really just, you know, you don't even know what's going to happen. So, I mean, Malik probably will have to step up a little bit, but then also, I mean, is he going to play a lot, right? He only had nine minutes in the, in the Drake game. Yeah. So in the, in the second meeting between Valpo and Missouri State, in the first half, Valpo had a 31-26 lead at the half against Missouri State. Bakari Evelyn played 17 minutes. Max Joseph played 15. Micah Bradford and Marcus Golder each played 14. Tavon Walker played 13. Derek Smith played 11. Jace Arroyo played 9. Malik McMillan played 7. They used an eight-man rotation in that. Kaiser didn't play. Uh, maybe he he may have been he may have been out still in that in that situation. I'm looking here in the second half. Yeah, they stayed with the same the same group in the second half. And and really again, McMillan played five minutes, and uh, you know uh, Smiths played nine minutes in the second half. But Micah Bradford played 25 minutes in that game. A significant, mm-hmm. and there really was not a lot of foul trouble in that game either. No. I mean, looking at at the first half box score. There was four fouls called against Valpo, so they didn't they didn't have a lot of foul trouble. In the second half, Alize Johnson had twenty points and eleven rebounds, and that half alone <laughs> just brutalized right. Valpo. Went inside, seven, took over the game. Yeah, seven and nine from the floor, and and just demolished them. Now, in the first meeting between these two teams, it was Valpo's worst loss of the year at home. Yeah, they lost sixty seven fifty. They looked out of it the entire game. Right, I mean, they had just come back from Indiana State, losing that one. They, uh, you know, Tavon Walker still wasn't back to 100%. They were playing without Kaiser. No Joe. Uh, McMillan in that game played 30 minutes. This He he did a good job on Alizé Johnson, relatively speaking. Johnson held to 11 points and 12 rebounds. So McMillan's going to have to play big, big minutes, I think, in this game. You would think. And so that that becomes an interesting kind of game of chess there. So how How many games was that that Joe had been gone at that point? Oh, this was the the third the third game that he'd been gone. He, yeah. The Riverside game, then at Indiana State, yes. and then this was the first home game, first time they're back on campus. That was all that was on New Year's Eve, that first game against Missouri State. Mm-hmm. And and Valpo they they fought hard in the second half, but it was it was clear that they were they they were just not in good shape yeah. in that one. That was Max Joseph had uh had a game. He had thir- team-high 13 points in that game. But, again, another one where Valpo just kind of kind of struggled a little bit. Missouri State, they won by 17, but they led by 27 at one point. Valpo trailed by 27 points at home, yep. and uh, that was difficult. So Missouri State has kind of fallen apart a little bit this year, and uh, for more as to what's going on with them right now, I want to bring in Wyatt Wheeler from the Springfield News Leader and get Wyatt's thoughts on to – 
what this game means to the Bears. Wyatt Wheeler. Wyatt, thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Valpo in Missouri State at Arch Madness. Now, this is your second Arch Madness that you're going to be to. Just kind of what 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 do I, as a first-time reporter, have in store here? Oh, it's, it's a cool event. I mean, it, it'll be. I'm really interested to see how much hype kind of has gone will go away with the tournament this year because there's no Wichita State there this year, and they filled up half the stadium last year. So it'll be. It'll be a little different, and I'm I'm interested in seeing how it is. But it's a really cool event. They do a good job, and there were some stadium renovations before going into this year, so it'll be it'll be pretty cool. This will be Valparaiso's first game at the Scott Trade Center since March 20th, 1998, when Valpo played Rhode Island in the NCAA tournament. It was the Keel Center back then. Uh, what what's the uh, d- does St. Louis get excited about Arch Madness? Valpo's going to play Missouri State, picked to win the league. Early on, they they you know they blew out Valpo by seventeen at Valpo, and then you know they they had a, a couple of losses there, and then they ended up beating Valpo by seven at home on January seventeenth, and then Missouri State went and lost their next five games. They rebounded to win two after that, but Wyatt they've lost their last four, so they've lost nine out of their last eleven games. What is going on with Missouri State? It's just a different team right now. It's uh, especially, I guess, really since they beat you guys. It's uh, it's there's just been they, they went into a first place game against Drake. It was for it would have been winner is the lone person at the top of the conference. But then the Monday after that Saturday loss to Drake. There was a whole body cryotherapy incident where two players ended up getting severe blistering on their feet, which ended up, which led to them getting blown out by Bradley the next night, and they lost by four after that. And then the two-game stretch, it seemed like that, that was the biggest two-game stretch of the year. Maybe they could, if they win both of them, maybe they'd avoid the play-in game, which of course they didn't, but... It seemed like maybe they were getting a little bit of their swagger back, a little bit more of their confidence, because it's a confident team even now when you see social media posts and everything. But then they go on to lose their next four. It's just it's a team that doesn't really know what they are some nights. Some nights they're trying to pound it down low. Some nights they're just they're throwing up every three they can. It's just it's, it was a little shocking after the cryotherapy incident. And then lately it's just been, well, they lost close games leading up to this most, the most recent loss in northern Iowa, which was just no effort at all coming from coach's mouth. So it's just been a kind of a shock team that they're in this position. And it's also been them feeling, maybe looking like they can compete while also not. It's been a weird, weird year. Mustafa Lawrence is uh, looks like the starting guard now. He played one minute in the first game against Valpo and didn't play at all at Missouri State. Talk to me about Mustafa Lawrence a little bit. How did 
kind of how did he get to the point where he's starting now? Yeah, he came off the bench in a game in a blowout loss to Illinois State, and he just showed to be a little bit more of a spark in the offense. And they were kind of the team was kind of desperate to get that spark that they were lacking during that big losing streak. So they just started putting in Lawrence, and this guy will just pop up from anywhere and throw up a three, and he's just just a different level of energy that hasn't really been seen all season and just inserting him was kind of probably the it was right guy at the right time but he, he brings a different level of energy he still has his freshman moments but he's been he's been a solid guy for him do you get the sense i mean that you know all much has been made about paul lusk and his contract and they took out this caveat that if they go to the ncaa tournaments an automatic five-year renewal and all of that uh, is there is there off the court distractions going on? Alize Johnson, I would assume, is, is is you know the NBA is in his future. Is do you think some of that's working against the team, or is it just the product of you know losing three straight games by two possessions? I would definitely say it's been a distraction. I mean, that's just you know, when when things aren't going right, social media is blowing up, but uh, just they're saying that they need to get rid of Lusk, and the guys read it. The guys are there. They uh, they're seeing the tweets everybody puts out. And I definitely would say they are looking at all this. I mean, the cryotherapy incident under investigation by the school, um, the bus contract, and, and how, their, how their two teammates are doing since the, since the incident. So it's, there's been a lot of distractions. Um, I mean, they've had distractions in the past, and I would say they are being distracted. I think more for Alizé. I think the NBA is not really a huge distraction for him, just knowing the type of character he is. He's he's being attacked defensively in a different way this year. Teams are a little bit better on how to take him out, and it's been tough for the other guys to step up and help him. The cryotherapy individuals, was that Reggie Scurry, and who else was the other individual? Reggie was Reggie was a rotation guy. Abdul got a few minutes here and there. And and they're out for the year, or are they could they come back? Um, Abdul is out for the year. Uh, I would I would say that Reggie probably won't play this week. Um, he was I, I've been told he's been shoot he's been trying to get into practice. He's been shooting around up on his feet, but I haven't heard that he's been practicing yet. So I would not expect him. There are a handful of seniors on this team, Ronnie Russo, Jared Rhodes, uh, J.T. Miller, Alizé Johnson, and Tanvir Bular. Uh, obviously, Alizé is at the top of that list. Is is this a uh, is this a prideful group? Are these the kind of guys that, that you think are going to go out there and give it their all? Or I know it's a tough question, but, but are, you know, is it the sooner this is over, the better? I, it's, it's a prideful group. Uh, they, they've... I would say J.T. Miller is the confidence of the team. I mean, even during that two-game stretch after the second win, right after losing five straight games, the kid comes out and says, we're peaking. It's like, uh, hold your horses there probably. But uh, I think these guys are definitely going to give it their all. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't say they're going to try to go out and sooner the better. But I, I definitely think you'll see a good effort from the guys come Thursday. 
It's an interesting thing to say. The five seniors on Missouri State's team, none of them are four-year guys. They've all transferred from another program. What uh, what, what do you think? Who, who, who are you picking to, uh, to win Arch Madness? How do you see this tournament unfolding? Um, I, I really like watching Loyola and the way they're playing. Um, but I, I, I can see anything ha- happening there, I think. ISU's playing, Illinois State's playing pretty well right now. I think if you were to pick a team out of the play-in game that can make some noise, it would be Northern Iowa with the way they've been playing lately if they can get uh, uh, their guy back from injury. Um, I, I, nothing would surprise me. It's, it's, uh, it's Especially this year more than ever. Last year you went in thinking, okay, Illinois State or Wichita State. But I think with Wichita State being gone and some of the guys – some of the really good guys from Illinois State last year graduating, that this this tournament's more open than ever. Well, very good, Wyatt. Thank you for joining today on Union Street Hoops. You can catch Wyatt on Twitter at Wyatt Wheeler underscore NL. Wyatt Wheeler of the Springfield News Leader in Springfield. Valpo, Mr. Missouri State on Thursday. Wyatt, should be a good game. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good thoughts from Wyatt Wheeler and looking forward to spending some time with him in St. Louis. Breaking news, Parker, what do we got? Yeah, we have Missouri Valley Conference winner award winners. That's right. The Larry Bird Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year goes to Clayton Custer of Loyola. The Newcomer of the Year goes to Malik Yarborough of Illinois State. The Freshman of the Year goes to Cameron Crutwig of Loyola. The Defensive MVP goes to Ben Richardson of Loyola. It's like it's like <laughs> we knew all of this already, You're but right. now it's official. Yes. The sixth man of the year does not go to Marcus Golder of Valparaiso. It goes to Tyler Smith-Peters of Southern Illinois, which reminds me of maybe my favorite moment of the year. When Tyler Smith-Peters hit a three-pointer from at the, at the arc, John Bowker sounded so sad because <laughs> he wanted to get excited about Peters for three. Right, right. Smith-Peters for three. Like, it was, <laughs> oh. it was so funny. Like, you, you know— just, oh man, those are some of the best. Centier Bank three pointer, Alec, and then it was it wasn't Peters. It was like Peter, like it was yeah, awesome. Yeah, was, it was, it was that, really you're good. you're great for that, Bowker. I always loved that. Uh, interesting. They 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 break down the points here, which is uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, there were 47 people who voted, and Clayton Custer got 40 first place votes. To, uh, wow. Yeah, that's what it, that's if I'm reading this correctly, that's what it uh that's what it is. Um okay, yeah. Uh two first place votes for Alize Johnson, three for Reed Timmer, two for Malik Yarborough. Now you can't vote for people that you cover. So, um whoever covers Loyola would have to have vote for somebody else. Uh who all votes for these things? Uh every team gets a uh, every beat reporter uh, one beat reporter per team. So I voted for all the preseason stuff. So some other guy votes for uh, <laughs> some guy that the, I don't, contractually. You, you I don't, don't think know I, some contractually. I don't think I can uh, I can name. Uh-huh. But um, you know I, he uh, he voted in the postseason. I see. So yeah, uh, just a, and, another guy. Yeah, but we uh, we compared ballots and uh, we had the same ballot. So we you know we're so in the end it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's it, it nothing nothing really matters. Uh, so yeah, 125 total points for Clayton Custer, 55 for Alize Johnson, 52 for Reed Timmer, uh, Yarborough with 31, and Ryan Taylor with 11. 
that's basically I would have I would have thought maybe Yarborough would have been third and Timmer would have been fourth, but you know, Timmer is I guess he's a senior, he's been around for a long time. Yarborough's first year in the league, who knows? So it uh that's what we see here. So what do you think? How many wins Valpo get this weekend? You know, Zero? Is that, yeah, I would say zero. I think it's a hard, hard game against Missouri State. I think it'll be tough. and Because it's conference time. It's tournament time. Things are always a little different. And, you know. and, and kind of as I, I talked to Wyatt Wheeler about it, I said, are they a prideful team? Are they a team that you get the sense that they just want the season over or do they want to? And, and they have fought hard their last couple of games. Yeah, they lost four in a row to end the regular season, but three of those have been by four or less points. Mm-hmm. I... I'm trying to figure out what success is for Valpo this weekend. Right. And a win over Missouri State, it would be a good way to end it. I don't I, – I think – I just don't know that a loss – It's it's not crushing, I don't think. It's, I don't think it's crushing, but I also don't think that any type of, of loss in this game is is really a success, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're in the last place game. No, no, I'm, I'm saying that, yeah, and I, I expect them to lose, but what if they what if they beat Missouri State by, you know, five and then they lose by 15 to Southern Illinois? Oh, yeah, no, Can, I mean, if they that win, a, that's a – yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a successful tournament. So I think a win over Missouri State, getting into a second day of the tournament – would be the most if, – if they beat Missouri State, that is the most something madness wins they've ever had mm-hmm. in a conference tournament because in Motor City madness, they went 0-4. So yeah. it's very odd to sit here thinking how we're talking about the conference tournament, previewing it, and we expect Valpo to be one and done. Yeah, that's whereas, weird. Whereas last year we were thinking Valpo would win the thing. Yeah, all the way, right. And the year before that, we while we didn't do a podcast, I think we probably sat somewhere and said, yeah, Valpo's going to – run the table in this tournament i well a couple years ago i think we would have said valpo might get past the first round of the ncaa tournament i mean you know going to the nit title game they certainly proved that they could beat some pretty legitimate teams right and uh so i i don't know what is going to happen at arch madness but i can tell you that i'll be there the whole time fantastic uh, i will have updates uh daily uh you can follow me on twitter and i think we'll probably do some uh some podcasting throughout the time mm-hmm. in in, uh, in St. Louis. It's exciting. I'm going to St. Louis uh, Wednesday to Sunday, coming back for a couple of days, and then turning around and going back to St. Louis because the SEC tournament is going to be there. Oh, and right. And I'm going to go check out Vanderbilt. Ooh, that, oh, that will be fun. Yeah, be... I think, depending on the result tonight, they're likely to play in the uh, the opening, opening round game. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping, hoping against hope, that they get matched up with Ole Miss because it's the 20-year anniversary of the shot. Oh, of course. And we've got some stories that we're, you know, likely to to look at some storylines there. So let's let's get Valpo against or let, Valpo. Let's get Vandy against <laughs> Ole Miss. Let's <laughs> get Bryce Drew against Ole Miss. Yeah, that would be fun. And then if they can get to the point where they play Florida again, <laughs> the head coach of Florida was on that team at Ole Miss during the time. History. So, uh, it, will it be weird to? I mean conceivably Valpo season will be over in 48 hours or so I, and or, or however long and and uh and the idea that March madness is really gets started and Valpo will be done I think I think it's weird just in terms of you know historically how the team's done I don't think this year for this year I don't think it's weird like no. there's you know there's been so much 
it's going to be what's going to be interesting is when we do kind of a conclusion before summer podcast and go back on everything that we thought initially and then you know i don't want to go back and <laughs> listen to look i'll be i picked valpo to finish third you, in did. The you did it's true it is I, true i think i thought tavon would be first team all conference i did i thought that as well everybody said the valley's going to be down the valley they don't have wichita the valley's going to be terrible but you couldn't you know you couldn't predict Tavon first getting mono and then Joe having to leave the team and right I mean it's just I don't know when Joe Burton had to leave that was a that was a huge change because Joe uh, Joe was someone that everyone loved and fed off of and he and he was probably the second best player on on the team so the the post-mortem episode of this will be will be fun and i hope yes i hope like last year i hope we get a chance to get matt loddick on an episode mm-hmm. and i hope we get a chance to get you know luke gore i'd love to t- talk to uh to emmanuel dildy and dave raglan to talk about kind of how you know it's always enjoyable and and you know we we've we did the seniors last year and, and they were a bit more outspoken than tavon and max but would love to love to hear from those absolutely guys too. so uh Let's see what happens in Arch Madness. See what happens. And, uh, Let's. Uh, what? Uh, what are you gonna say? You got a score for me? A score. Um, Sixty-eight. No, seventy fifty-six. Missouri State. Se- okay, I'm going to say Missouri State seventy-three fifty-nine. Seventy-three. Okay, so right around there. I, I, I think. Yeah, it's breaking sixty has been a struggle. It has, and so I, th- I think that'll be uh, that'll be tough. So, okay, Valpo, Missouri State, Thursday night, eight thirty. I'll have continued updates from St. Louis. Looking forward to Arch Madness. Should be a good time. Parker, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you, Paul. <laughs>